Turn with me, if you would, this evening to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We've been talking about examples for us. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, talking about the Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian slavery, that with many of them, God was not well pleased. Well, what do we know without reading anything else? What does it take to please Him? It takes faith. So obviously they didn't follow Him in faith. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Was it God's will for them to be overthrown in the wilderness? For them to wander around for 40 years? It was not. Hebrews tells us that the works for them to enter into that promised land were finished before the foundation of the world. It was not God's will. And you know this by other scripture that says, in Peter he said, God's not willing that any should perish. That's a big verse. Why don't you say it out loud? God is not willing that any should perish. That's all encompassing. It's an absolute. So anytime you see anybody perishing in any area or any degree, you don't need a special revelation to know that's not God's will. If you're perishing from disease, it's not the will of God. If you're perishing from poverty, it's not the will of God. Poverty is evil. Disease is evil. I'm using this word advisedly. Psalm, I believe it's 41, maybe 41.8, said, uh, the scripture said, uh, evil disease, they say, cleaves fast to him. And uh, the Young's literal translation says, a thing of Belial, a thing of the devil. Jesus said with the woman that had a spirit of infirmity, he said Satan had bound her. Is that right? Yes, sir. For 18 years. How in the world do so many church-going people try to say that sickness is of God? When the scripture, well, there was a time you and I didn't know any better. Right? But do you know better now? Well, poverty is evil. You know, there are people literally starving to death on this planet for lack of a decent meal to eat. That's poverty. Fully developed. Well, not being able to pay your utility bill is the same evil stuff, just a much less degree of it. Come on, can you see that? It's the same evil stuff. And we must not be passive or nonchalant about it. You need to hate sin. Not sinners. Sin. We need to hate sickness. Not sick people. Sickness. We need to hate. That's a strong word. Yeah, I know. Hate poverty. Need to despise it. Love God and hate the works of the devil that Jesus came to destroy. This is our mission. This is our call. And that's the good news we were talking about earlier. The good news is that he has done everything 
that needs to be done to deliver us from all the evil works of the evil one. And we have been delivered. And if you'll hear it and believe it and walk in the light, it'll manifest. Hallelujah. He said, verse 6, these things that happened to them, the Israelites, were our examples. Whose examples? Our examples. Then he lists several things he said, don't do, don't do, don't do. And you can still do it today, just like they did it. Murmur, complain, lust after the wrong thing, tempt God. You can still do it today. Verse 11, all these things happened unto them for in samples or examples. And they are written for who? So we do ourselves a disservice if we neglect our Old Testament. Because there are beautiful types of the reality we have in Christ. In all of these things. And in everything that happened to the Israelites delivered out of Egyptian bondage. That God eventually the next generation got into the promised land. All of that is applicable to you in your life today, right now. There are powerful answers to what we're dealing with today when we read about the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb, and what happened there. Has it been ministering to you this week at all? Has it been stirred up about it? Have we decided which one we are? The 10 spies that didn't make it? (laughs) Or the two that went in? Now, this is not something that makes you run and shout, but ten is the majority. Didn't go in. Two of the twelve went in, enjoyed the blessing of God. Ten of the twelve died young, died wrong, and didn't enjoy it. This is a sobering reality. In the New Testament, Jesus taught what we call the parable of the sower. He mentions four different types of ground. Anybody remember this? What were they? Wayside, stony, thorny, good. And only one kind of ground produced results. The other three got no results at all. One, the wayside ground, never even got started. The seed never got in the ground. The other two, the seed got in the ground, and they actually got off to a good start, but they didn't see it all the way through. They got discouraged. They, got, they cast their confidence away. And in that case, three out of four got no results, even though the anointed word was sown into their life. I know that's sobering, but... Who's it up to? Who gets to be the good ground? Oh, that's weak. <laughs> that's not where you want to get quiet right there. <laughs> Who, whose choice was it? Did God say, I'm sorry? I have foreordained that you be wayside ground. I'm sorry. This has been decreed from on high that you be stony ground. Sorry. I know you'd like to switch, but you cannot. It's our choice. 
by how we respond to the word. In fact, everything in our life is determined by how we respond to his word. Whether we believe it and receive it, whether we water it, whether we walk in the light of it, we let it multiply and produce in our life, or whether we resist it, disbelieve it, reject it, whether we let something offend us and we cast aside our confidence. It's our choice. It's our choice. Make up your mind. I'm with Joshua and Caleb. Huh? Is that right? It's Joshua, Caleb, Rob. Is that right? Carrie. Huh? Keith. Do I hear your name in there? It's, it's Joshua and Caleb and... <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And you got the wayside ground, and you got the stony ground, and you got the thorny ground, and you got us. You got us. Somebody's got to be the good ground. <laughs> Somebody said, you know that bad thing? It happens to eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yeah, but two out of ten go their whole life and never have it. Somebody's got to be one and two. That's me and you. Somebody's got to be those two. <laughs> now there are people that will scoff at that and say, oh, well, everybody would like to be the lucky ones. We don't believe in luck. But if you're not bold enough to declare it and say it, then you're hindering the Lord and limiting him. You've got to talk like the scripture speaks. What does Psalmist say? Psalm 91 Though a thousand fall over here, ten thousand fall over here. But we got eleven thousand people just got taken out by this thing. What did he say? It won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. Come on, say it out loud. It won't happen to me. It's not because I think I'm better than other people. It's not because I think I'm smarter or have performed more perfectly. I just have chosen to believe this. And that's what my God needs to be able to do for me. What has not, people have not opened the door for him to do everywhere else. Phyllis and I do this all the time. If something comes up and it's a bad thing, we'll look at each other and go, Never happened to us. That will never happen to us. Not trying to brag. Not trying to act superior. I just know the Lord requires our faith. My words need to come out on this. Is that right? It's wonderful. I'm going to run my entire race. I'm going to finish my course. With joy. Joy is your strength. That means I'm going to finish strong. Oh somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to become. The full measure. Of what God created me to be. By his grace. We're going to accomplish. The full fruit. 
of the ministry he's called us to. Hallelujah. Run our whole race, finish our whole course, and get to the end and stick out my chest and hit the finish line. <laughs> and if the Lord hadn't come yet, blow this popsicle stand. Out of here. <laughs> and one day by his mercy and grace, here, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm so glad that didn't say everything. <laughs> he said a few things. <laughs> You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You've got to speak boldly. Faith speaks boldly. Isn't that what we've been reading? What did the ten spies, the ones that didn't make it, what did they say? We cannot go into the promised land. We are not able. They're too big. We're too little. We can't do it. What did Caleb and Joshua say? What did they say? People that don't understand faith, they think you're just being arrogant. They think you're just being, you know, you think you're superior. Well, who do you think you are? Well, you need to find out who you are. And then you'll talk like this too. We've been made in the image and likeness of God. How does he talk? How does he talk? Michael, Angel, Michael, excuse me, and, and uh, Gabriel, thank you, thank you. Uh, now y'all scotch for me. I'm going to try to do this. <laughs> and we sure hope it works. You cannot fathom God saying that. Because that's not how faith talks. That's not how success speaks. Are we told to be imitators of our God as dear children? Well, when you dare to act like the Almighty, it's going to catch a few ears. All right? And turn a few heads. When you dare to speak like your father, it's going to shock some unbelievers, but it's going to put a smile on your father's face. He's going to say, that's what I'm talking about. Now say it like you mean it. <laughs> Hallelujah. By our words, we'll be justified. By our words, we'll be delivered. By words, we'll be healed. By words, our needs will be met. And man, you there are times, if, a, if bad reports come and symptoms hit you, you've got to bite your tongue, bite your lip. Because you'll want to say some things the way you feel. You'll want to say what other people are saying. And if you believe life and death's in the power of what you say, you will get a hold of yourself. Yeah, that's right. mm -hmm. that's right. And you'll treat doubt and unbelief like it's worse than cuss words. Because it is. It can affect your life. I shouldn't say it can. It does affect your life. It affects your life. People say, I don't believe in that Mark 11, 23, you can have what you say stuff. That stuff never worked for me. It just did. You believe it doesn't work for you? It don't work for you. Nobody ever gives me anything. It just came to pass, right? You believe it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. Nobody likes me. It's so important, especially when it doesn't look and feel good, 
that we say the right thing. Even calling those things that be not as though they were. Speaking what God says over it no matter what it looks and feels like. It's uh, opportunities every day. And uh, the Bible said fight the good fight of faith. Why would you have to do that? Because there will be an onslaught of feelings and thoughts and suggestions and symptoms and contradictions that you have to overcome. You, you have to resist it and say, no, no, I'm not moved by this. I declare this. I say this. This is happening. Brother Hagen, Sr., who's in heaven now, he said uh, years ago when he was out on the road, he was in a meeting for several weeks, and he said it was the deadest driest <laughs> meeting. He said he was praying and, and fasting and, and just dead and dry. And, and, and he said at one point, and this had been a couple of weeks of this, and, and I think they were having four or five weeks. And, and so he, he went out there and he said, Lord, what's wrong? He said, uh, you know, we're just, we're not having revival. We're just not, we're not having the move of God. And people had said, oh, this is a burn over place or What's another word? What do they say about that? Yeah, y'all heard that too, huh? <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, and he said, uh, the Lord got a hold of him and said, what are you saying? What are they saying? Well, you're saying, we're not having a good meeting. It's dry. It's hard. He said he saw it. He jumped up off the floor. He was in the church praying at the altar. He jumped up off the floor. He said, we're having revival. He's by himself in the church. We're having revival. Oh, it's breaking out. It's breaking loose. We're having the move of God. And he just got happy and preached to himself back and forth. We're having, oh, it's moving, 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 breaking out. God. He said it started that night. Started that night. The enemy is so crafty, so subtle. Every day we live in a world that is that we just uh, filled with unbelief. And you can talk unbelief, people won't even notice it. You just blend right in with everybody else. You talk down. Things are so bad. Things are so hard. Nothing's working. You know, all, all the youth is, you know, uh, going the wrong way. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah, we always have a slump this time of the year. Really? If you say so. Come on, how many know you need to say the right thing? And especially when it doesn't look like and feel like it. I mean, your finance has been short for the last three months. What do you say? What do you say? Oh, man, we're breaking out. Is that right? Oh, we have extra coming in. More than enough. We're receiving more. Oh, we're having a good time financially. It's coming up. It's coming up. You got to believe it. Got to say it. Instead of going, wonder why, wonder why, wonder why. Well, it's no mystery. <laughs> the enemy's subtle. Oh, it's crafty. Always trying to get something in your mouth. That he can work with. That you don't realize. That that he put in your mouth. Got to be on your watch. You know what the Bible said? Be sober. 
Be vigilant. What does that mean? Got to be on your watch. Because your adversary, like a roaring lion, going about, he's pacing about, seeking whom he may devour. Don't you like that word? Don't you like that word? That means there's some he may, and there's some he may not. Are you a may not? I'm a may not. He he may not devour me. But you got to be on. Why you got to be on the watch? Got to be vigilant because he's always trying to get something in your mouth. Get something in your mouth. My bad knee. My weak eye. If you say so. My stubborn husband. (laughs) My annoying spouse. If you say so. If you say so. (laughs) This, This is amazing, saints. We have the power, knowledge most of the world does not have, much of the world will never have. And we have the knowledge and the power to change a situation without other folks even realizing what's going on. And there are times that not everybody needs to hear it. You need to get off by yourself. And you need to say some things. (laughs) You need to say some things. There's power in it. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. And we're trying to move past the text here, but go to go to Numbers, if you would. The 13th chapter. Let's look at some more of this. We haven't really digressed. One of the main things in this passage is what they said and what Caleb and Joshua said. Such a stark contrast and difference. And uh, they saw the same things. You go into numbers. They saw the same things. And the scripture said that the ten brought back an evil report. Now let's examine their evil report. They said there were giants there. Is that a lie? No, No, but what is it? It's an evil report. They said there are walls there. Is that a lie? No, but what is it? It's an evil report. Why? It's your emphasis. It's your focus. And its effect. If you read other passages, it says they the report the ten brought back discouraged the hearts of their brethren. I mean when they when they got up there, everybody was so excited when they heard about the promised land, when they saw the grapes and they saw the fruit, they were so excited, so excited. Full of anticipation, expectation, excitement, joy, until the ten got up there and said, oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's great, it's great. Now, now, why am I saying this? Listen to the tone. Because again, the enemy's so crafty, he's so subtle, he's deceptive. People say, well, I'm just telling the truth, so were they. I'm just telling the truth. Well, it is. 
It's all this and it's all that. Yeah, but there's more to it. You've chosen to believe that over what God told you. You've chosen to magnify that rather than magnify God. And it's an evil choice. And it results in an evil report. And this word evil, one of the words evil in the New Testament, it means that which results in pain and sorrow and labor. That's one of the things that makes something evil. And think about it. Evil unbelief brought out an evil report, stole most of the people's faith, did evil result? Did they experience labor and pain and sorrow and death? Evil. Evil begets evil. Come on, can you see that? Evil unbelief. Why would the Lord call it evil? Because of where it comes from and its effects. It stole the people's faith. And yet... They were saying things that were true. I've, you know, the Lord corrected me a number of years ago about how you say things. You know, when you're young and don't know much, you you tend to be too hard and not as kind. And if you learn a few things, you should become more kind. And I had people say to me before, well, you know, the Lord didn't call me to be popular. I just say it like it is. I just tell the truth. I lay, I lay the truth down. That's what the Lord, and, and the Lord, while they were saying it, the Lord said, no, no. I said, speaking the truth in love. In love. How you say it is super important. The Bible said the sweetness of the lips increases learning. How you say something to someone, how you say it, your tone, your approach can determine whether they receive it or reject it. Here's something to to correct yourself on. I I catch myself frequently. I'll change it in my notes. I'll change it. uh, You know, if you do this, then this will happen to you. I'll stop and go. If we do this... This will happen to us. Hmm? Anybody with me? These kind of things will help you from getting off. Because you is part of us. And we is all in the same boat. Is that right? <laughs> Anything that applies to you applies to me. It applies to you. Watch about saying you, 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 you. You make it us, us, us. (laughs) In uh, Numbers 13, they went through the land. They got the fruit of it. Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people. He said, let us go up at once. Numbers 13, 30. And let's possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. This is amazing. Was it God's will for them to go get it now? Did they go get it now? Or next year? Or next year? Or next 10 years? Or 20 or 30? 
are 40, finally 40 plus years later. They went and got it. But what if everybody had agreed with Caleb and Moses? Could they have gotten it now? Now. Let's go up at once. At once means now. And let's get it. Possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. He saw the same giants they saw. He saw the same walls they saw. He saw everything. They were together. He and Joshua part of the 12 spies. We're well able. Somebody say well able. Well able. Well able. (laughs) He didn't talk about the giants. He's not even bringing them up. At this point. He's He's not saying. Do you know. When David faced Goliath. A giant. He never called him a giant. Uh uh-uh. uh. He never called him a nine, ten foot killing machine. <laughs> he didn't talk about how big his spear was and his sword, shield, and how he was an expert assassin from a boy. How many understand? If you're going to deal with something, you do not need to keep hearing about how big it is. <laughs> you do not need to keep hearing about how much money it's going to cost. Come on, y'all with me. You do not need to keep hearing about how incurable it is and how terminal it is. Once you've heard it, that's enough. Is that right? Now, what do we need to hear? We need to hear God said, I gave you this land. This is your land. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you down. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He never called him a giant. You know what he said? This uncircumcised Philistine. What does that mean? No covenant, nobody. You no covenant, nobody. You come to me with all your muscle and weight. You come to me with your big spear and your big helmet. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. And then he got inspired. He said, I'm going to take your head right off of you today. And you and all your buddies too. All your buddies. He's a youth. He's a youth. Good looking young teenager. Shepherd boy. Why are we talking about it? Why are we talking about it tonight? This is an example of life-changing faith, giant overcoming, work of the devil removing faith, yoke destroying, burden removing, anointing activating faith. Hallelujah. It was only when he said that, said that, said that, and then acted on that faith to the best of his ability, when he reached the end of what he could do. Shoo, shoo, shoo. 
he met the power of God. I reckon the big old angel just reached behind that little stone and gave it, <laughs> gave it a little push because man is like you shot him with a 45. I mean, boom. And the fight's over. He's over. He didn't have a sword, so he just used his. He looked at the other guys and said, what you ain't know? And they got all their buddies too. They won. They had an amazing. And it started with one Young man, listen teenagers, God will use you. Listen young people, they may call you a boy, a young boy, a young girl, but you're not too young to know what you're doing. You can believe God. Even if mama and daddy's dragging their feet, God will respond to your faith. Just you. Doesn't have to be the whole rest of the family. You believe God, he'll do amazing things for you. Just for you. If you dare to talk like that, believe like that, act like that. Don't talk about how bad the disease is. Don't talk about how incurable it is, how many people have died from it. You see people spend days and days and days researching all the Latin names, all the possible this and that. And they have more information about the disease than they do by stripes were healed. Well, you're feeding the wrong thing. You're feeding fear. If you're believing God for protection, maybe you don't live in the best neighborhood. You do not need to watch the news every evening and see how many how many holdups there were. Come on down with me. And you you don't need to feed fear. You need to feed faith. Is that right? You need to feed faith. It may happen to a thousand over here or ten thousand. It won't happen to me. Come on, say it won't happen to me. It won't, it won't happen to me. I know marriages are failing all the time, but it won't happen to our marriage. I know churches are going under. It won't happen to our church. Why? Because I believe God. I believe what He said. Thanks be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 32, they brought up the evil report of the land. They said, verse 31, we would be not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel. They said, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. This particularly irritated the Lord. If you read Hebrews 3 and 4, this time is called the provocation. Some translations call it the rebellion. And they provoked God to irritation and exasperation and anger with them. How many never want to provoke God? You want to trust God. Show him that you believe him. But this wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. There had been ten major occasions. Where they'd done the same thing. After you've seen God move. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What about all the miracles in Egypt? What about the splitting of the Red Sea? Should that stick with you over a couple of days? (laughs) Huh? And the manna 
falling out of the sky. Now let, let me just let's go back to that instance. When God split the Red Sea, they went over on dry ground. All of them escaped perfectly safe, and then the enemy was covered over with the waters. And Pharaoh's, the mightiest empire's army in the world, wiped out just like that. Oh, man. They danced. They shouted. They played the tambourine. They wrote songs. They had the victory. Until just a few days later, they ran out of water. Remember the fountain that came and waters of Merah? And they lost, they completely lost the victory. Just in a few days. And this kept happening over and over and over. Unstable. Because they're not living a life of faith. And because they're choosing to disbelieve. Now notice what else this is called. Last night we went into some detail about two different kinds of unbelief. Timothy said, excuse me, in Timothy, Paul said God had mercy on him because he did what he did before he was saved ignorantly in unbelief. But in Hebrews 3 and chapter 3 and chapter 4 and in other places, it said they couldn't enter in because of their unbelief and it's called an evil heart of unbelief. And there are actually different words used for this that describe willful, obstinate unbelief. And in fact, the same word that sometimes translated unbelief is translated disobedience. Same word. Disobedience. It's not because of a lack of knowledge. It's not because of ignorance. It's a willful, obstinate refusal to believe. Now, I know when I first started in the ministry, I didn't see this. I didn't believe this. For years, earliest days of our ministry, I thought the biggest deal is God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And if people would just see the truth, man, they'll like it. They'll get it. Everybody will be in good shape. (laughs) What are y'all smiling about? (laughs) But as the years went by, I began to realize people see things and they hear it and don't get excited. People hear the same things you hear and around the same things you're around. I've heard people say, well, you know, to know God is to love him. And I thought, well, that's absolutely true. And the Lord said, no, it's not. I said, what? It's written, Jesus said, they have seen and hated both me and my father. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. They heard his preaching. They saw the miracles. And even though he did so many miracles among them, they didn't believe on him. They didn't receive him. And in that same passage in John, the next verse is quoted as Isaiah said, Who has believed our report? And to whom 
has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There are people, many people, who have seen and heard the gospel and they despise it anyway. There are people in churches that have seen and heard the truth 500 times and they don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want to see it anymore. They've chosen something else. How many remember one of Paul's own crusade team? He said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Well, it wasn't because Paul was not a good leader. I wasn't preaching the right gospel. How about Jesus? Did he have any staff issues? (laughs) Was it because he wasn't preaching the word well enough? Or he wasn't providing the correct example in front of them. Certainly not. You can be around the best there is. And decide you want something else. You have a free will. But we don't know. Who's going to receive it and who's not. So when you preach it. Don't be shocked if people say no I don't want that. But all you got to say is. Who wants this? You want it? (laughs) Next? Is that right? Because somebody's going to hear it and and act like you did about it. Come on, is that right? Going to act like you did. They're going to go, that's the best thing I ever heard. Preach that to me again. That's right. And this anointed word, God has ordained that people are saved by what the world calls the foolishness of preaching. This is dividing humanity. People's choice and response to the good news. Some will receive it and reverence it. Some will not. And there are people, no matter how many miracles they see, no matter how much they hear, they will be obstinate in their refusal to believe. And that's why it's called evil. Evil heart of unbelief. I know that's sobering. But you need to know that in ministry. Not everybody's going to love you. There may be a flash. I I don't know. Not everybody's ready for you. And if they don't like you, then don't let it hurt you. Don't don't take it inside and go, well, why why don't they die? I just... I can't handle that. I just I want people to like me. I want people to like me. Listen, not everybody likes Jesus. Okay, what kind of category are you trying to be in? I mean, <laughs> you, you trying to do something Jesus didn't do? He said if they hated me, come on, help me out. They will hate you. If they receive my word, they receive your word. Keep reading. Chapter 14. The congregation lifted up their voice. 14.1. And they cried. They cried. I heard a man preach on this. uh, Ken Stewart. Dr. Ken Stewart. Years ago. I'm decades ago. He preached a message called. Never pet a powder. (laughs) And he used the powder. Anybody know what pouting is? Pouting. Don't pet powders. What's a pout? 
Ahab was a powder. Remember that? He wanted, was it Naboth's vineyard? Naboth wouldn't sell it to him. He said, I'm sorry, uh, King Ahab, but the scripture prohibits me from getting rid of my family's land. It's part of our inheritance. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. And the king went back and wouldn't eat and went to bed. (laughs) And pouted. And his wife, Jezebel, came in. And she said, baby, what's wrong? <laughs> you, why don't you eat? They, they told me you didn't eat. He said, no, tell me a thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> baby, turn over. I can't hear you. You got your, you got your face in the pillow. Na- Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. Naboth won't sell you his vineyard? No. <laughs> she said, baby, you're the king. You're the king. You want that vineyard? Uh-huh. <laughs> now you're laughing. But what's going on right here is evil. Evil. Have you read the story? She took his signet ring. She set Naboth up to promote him and then slander him and had him killed right there that day. Then came in and said, guess what, baby? Nabal's dead. You can, you can get your vineyard. Don't pet powders. When people are yielding to depression, I don't know if you're hearing this or not. You don't help them by petting them. We're faith people. Come on. We don't sorrow like those who have no hope. The sorrow of the world works death. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, who's in control of what we think? And so what they do? They cried all night. You heard crying, weeping throughout all the camps of Israel. What God think about this? He is so displeased with them. In fact, they are provoking him. It is how many understand when you have provoked God, you've done gone too far. <laughs> now I know it sounds kind of humorous, but man, this is serious. This is verse two. After crying all night and yielding. To depression and yielding to fear and anxiety. You know, I'm convinced if if people, including people of God, who are yielding to this junk, and all of us have made mistakes, if they could have their eyes opened and see what's laying in the bed with them while they have their pity party, they would throw up. And they'd take five showers. <laughs> it's not a matter of being possessed. It's a matter of just yielding to it. And letting it in your life. These things are not to be petted. They're not to be couched. They're not to be permitted and allowed. They are to be resisted. Everybody say resisted. Resisted. 
When you feel depressed, resist those feelings. When their thoughts and these things come to you, any of us, any day of the week, can receive this junk and yield to it and in a matter of time become incapacitated. Useless to anybody around us. You got to be strong. You got to say no. And you need to speak right out loud. You need to say at times, fear, I resist you. Leave me. Heaviness, I resist you. I don't want you. Get out of my life. Leave me. Depression, go. Come on, somebody needs to say it right now. Are y'all with me? I'm going to lead you. We're going to say it by the anointing. Say it out loud. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Fear. Fear. Leave me. Leave me. In Jesus' name. Heaviness. Oppression. Depression. Despair. I don't want you. Leave. Go away from me. In Jesus' name. Oh, somebody got delivered, right? Something happened right there. Now you need to know it'll try to come back. If it's three days from now, if it's tonight or next month, it'll try to come back. Don't yield to it. Don't lay down. Put a cool cloth on your head. Pull the blinds. Load up on pills. That's just yielding to it. What happened after they yielded to this and cried all night? What shape are they in the next morning? Look at what they look at what they want to do. All the children of Israel that next morning murmured against the two men God handpicked and sent to deliver them out of bondage that their parents and grandparents and great grandparents could never get free from. And they are totally despising these men. And they said, would God would have died in the land of Egypt. Now, other translations say, we wish we had died. Do you know who's listening to this? God. He's hearing this. And it's not just a couple of people. What? The congregation. The whole congregation is in agreement about this. I wish we had died in Egypt or I wish we had died in this wilderness. That's why just a few verses later on God said that's what you want. You wish you had died in the wilderness. You can die in the wilderness. Friends, especially for people like you and me who know a few things about God and faith Never should you come out of your mouth, I just wish I was dead. I wish I wasn't in the ministry. I just wish the enemy is provoking you to say that. To to open up a door of access to you. Come on friends, do you understand these things? Never should it come out of your mouth. I wish I wasn't even married. I I wish I didn't even have kids. 
Words matter. Especially when you know better. There's an ignorant unbelief. And then there's this stuff. This willful, obstinate, disobedient rebellion. This is rebellion. What has happened all that night is the whole congregation has yielded to the enemy. And his nature is rebellion. So it's no surprise that one of the first things that comes out of their mouth is who is Moses and Aaron? We don't have to submit to them. What have they done for us anyway? They hadn't brought us into any promised land. Brought us out here to kill us. And in Deuteronomy, the first chapter, Moses records some things you don't see here. He said, they said, it's because God hates us that he brought us out here to kill us. What kind of love had God just shown them? He brought the mightiest empire in the world to its knees for them. Healed them all. Gave them silver and gold. Come on y'all with me. Split the Red Sea for them. Rain manna out of the sky. What do you have to do? That's why he said, how long are these people going to provoke me? How long before they believe me? And the truth was, he knew that generation was never going to. It wouldn't have mattered how much he had done for them. How many miracles does it take till you start believing? How many answered prayers? That's how the enemy is. If you start yielding to unbelief and depression, you will begin to be unthankful. And that is one of the worst conditions you could ever be in. Romans says, talks about individuals who were unthankful even after they had found out something about God and it says their foolish heart was darkened. Unthankfulness darkens your understanding to where you don't even see things right. You don't even notice things that are in your face. You'll hear sometimes people that God has done amazing things for them for years and they get in such a bad shape. Well, you know what God done for me, you know. Oh, golly. What do you mean? Here you are, breathing. Here you are in church and ministry after all your dumb mistakes. Here you are. What's God done for you? The word of his power is holding your molecules together right now as we speak. The air you're breathing, courtesy of God. The gravity holding your feet on the ground, courtesy of God. Come on, are y'all with me or not? What's he done for you? Thank you, Lord. Everything. What you see, why do people get to thinking that way? You become unthankful. I know when I was in healing school years ago. I noticed this, that you could fixate on one area of deficiency or lack until you completely forgot and failed to be thankful for blessings all around about you. 
come in, I see people come in the healing school and they got something wrong with their finger. And it's, 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 oh, my finger. Oh, my finger. Something wrong with my finger. My finger don't work right. Other people's finger works right. Why can't my finger work right? And you just can't enjoy life because your finger. Totally forget. You got nine that work just fine. You got ten toes, two good elbows, two good knees, a functioning brain. And this is not just a, you know, saying you should be thankful. Of course you should be. I'm talking about a spiritual principle. The more unthankful you are, the less aware of God you will be. The less aware of everything he has done and is doing for you. The more thankful you are in his light, we see light. It leads you into, oh, come on, do you see this? It leads you into more light. I know when we were first-year students, people came over to our little apartment in the rough part of town. We called it shoot 'em up alley. We shouldn't have called it that. <laughs> we know better now. <laughs> One night we came out of the door to go to church, and there's all these flashing lights and bullhorns said, get back inside, get back inside. So I said, oh, okay, Phyllis, we better go out the back door. They came over, and uh, we we're first-year students. We we're in Bible school. We we're learning to be scriptorians. <laughs> Somebody brought up a difficult passage of scripture, and we talked about it. We discussed it for a couple of hours, and we all agreed it's a difficult <laughs> <laughs> passage of scripture. Yeah, wow. Wow, hard to understand. There was general consensus to that. And so everybody left. We, we laid down to go to sleep. I'm, I'm laying there trying to go to sleep. And the Lord asked me, I don't mean I heard a voice, but it's a, he said, Keith, would you like to understand that passage? I said, yes, yes. He said, well, now you're further from it than you've ever been. <laughs> I'm further from it than I've ever been. Yeah, he said, that's not how you get revelation. By talking about how hard something is. You start, and he went on to say, don't talk about what you don't know. And what you don't have. And what you can't do. Is everybody awake or not? He said, don't dwell on it. Don't meditate on it. And when he says talk, just, you know, keep talking day in and day out. Don't do that. Why? He said, talk about what you know. And in that light, you'll get more light. Talk about what you have. And you'll get more light. Talk about what you can do. And you'll get more light to what you can do. And you can always start somewhere. Instead of, you know, vacillating and wavering about, I I just don't know, I just don't know, I just don't know. Yeah, you do. There's things you know. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. My name's just starting to talk about that and give thanks for it. Next thing you know, you'll see something else. And then you'll see something else. But you see, by the time they cried and felt sorry for themselves all night long, probably didn't sleep, by the time they got done with that, they are completely 
unaware, not remembering, unthankful for everything God has done for them to get them out of Egypt and all the stuff. And he's told them the land is yours and he can bring them in. And, and they, are, they are so blind. Unthankfulness blinds you. It darkens your understanding, Romans 1 says. Thanksgiving enlightens you. The Lord actually asked me that one day. He said, Keith, would you like to know how to enlarge your capacity to receive from me? Didn't take me long to answer that. I said, yes, yes, and yes. He said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Every one of those words is significant. Cultivate means it's not going to happen automatically. Lifestyle is not just something you do Sunday morning on church. Is that right? So we put little cards up everywhere be thankful. Remember to be thankful. Be thankful. Remember to be thankful. And just get it in your heart. When you don't know what to do and the conversation lulls, it's always appropriate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, how many could say thank you, Lord? Has He done something for you? Has He heard your prayers? Oh, we, we don't know the half of what He's done for us. And talking about it and remembering all his benefits and stirring yourself up in the light of that, you will get answers that you've never seen before. You will get more revelation walking in the light. But depression is darkness. Unthankfulness is darkness. It darkens your understanding. And what did they say? They said, wish we'd have died. In Egypt, wish we'd have died, would to God, wish we'd have died in the wilderness. Why did God, the Lord, bring us into this land to fall by the sword when our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's make us a captain and let's return. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's get rid of this Moses. Let's get rid of this Aaron. Let's forget about God. And let's go back to Egypt. The enemy, through this night of yielding to depression, has infected the whole camp with rebellion. And now, like one man, they want to rise up and do what Satan led the angels to do. What he led Adam and Eve to do. He's always trying to do so. Which is why you see so many church splits, so much upheaval. The enemy's always trying to get people to defy, to rebel. And another word for it is unbelief. Are you with me, friends? It's the same thing. Which is why it's evil. Keep reading. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. Why? They know. This is serious, man. I mean, how are we going to come out of this? They sensed God is so displeased. They, they have provoked the Lord here. And they spoke to all the company of the children of Israel. And they said, the land which we passed through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. Other translations say, it's excellent. It's the best 
Does God give you the best? What's promised land a type of? Come on, help me out. Promised land a type of. If you read Deuteronomy, it goes into detail about Canaan land. And part of it is vineyards. You didn't plant. Oh, somebody else listen. Houses full of good things you didn't build. Come on, y'all listening? This is a type. Do we have any less under the real thing? No. And the devil wants to keep you out of it. Why? Because it's a, it's a manifestation of God's goodness on your life and on your church and on your ministry. Tell me what the goodness of God does. It leads men and women to change and to repent and to come in, which is why the devil fights healing so hard. It's why he fights abundance so hard, because it shows how good God is. And he's lying to people, telling them God's not good. Oh, they wouldn't just say that out loud, but they believe if you really give your life to God, and even from some preaching and teaching they heard, that basically your fun is over. And you probably, if you're going to get serious about God and serve God in the ministry, you basically got to take a vow of poverty. And that's not going to be any fun. Lies. I said lies. 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 The goodness of God is what causes people to to look up and go, how did you get that? (laughs) How, how, how did that work? And when they ask that, don't you talk about how strong you are in faith and how many scriptures you, you know. Come on, are y'all with me or not? What do you, what do you say? What do you say? The Lord did this for me. Is that right? He was so gracious to me. He did this and he did. And you, you testify. This is a big part of what Acts 1 8 is talking about. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Spirit comes. And you're what? You're what? Not not just go a witnessing. You will be a witness. In your local and in a broader and in a broader area. And this is everybody. It's not just preachers. This is everybody. And this is not about quoting all the scriptures and preaching a message to everybody. It's a witness. What can you be a witness of? What God did for you. You were there when it happened. This is one of the most powerful things. To reach the lost. To reach people. To reach backslidden Christians. Something come up. And you'll know it in your spirit. I need to tell what God did for me. I need to tell right now about how God healed my baby. I need to tell right now about how God saved us from that car accident. Come on y'all with me. I need to tell right now about how God gave us a house. I need to tell it right now. And that's when it's time for you to be bold. Right? And you say, let me tell you. I know this for myself. God did this for me. What are they going to say about that? No, you didn't. No, you don't. Hey, I was there. I was there. I'm a witness. And the Bible said the power of the Holy Spirit's involved in that. While you're doing that, the Holy Ghost will get on them. 
and call and witness to them. This is true. This is true. God is real. He's real. And he loves you too. He'll do it for you too. But it's a good report. Not a bad report. If you say God made me sick. God stole my baby away from me. God caused my business and my uh, me to lose my business and my house to develop my piety. And you get through talking about all this destruction and evil report. And then you say, don't you want to join the flock? <laughs> and what do they think? No, no. They already got a shepherd who steals, kills, and destroys. It's the goodness of God that leads us and leads men and women to change and to repentance. Keep reading. They said, listen, listen, listen. The land is good. Come on, don't miss this. It's an exceeding good land. You saw the grapes? You saw the figs? You saw the pomegranates? Come on now. You were so excited. Remember? 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 Oh, he was jazzed about the grapes. Come on, don't forget the grapes. And if the Lord delight in us, of course, they believed he did. He will bring us into this land. That's a declaration of faith. What have they got to base that on? I mean, they, they used to be a slave population not long ago. And they're facing the best armed and walled cities in the country. And why would they think? They just believe it. Because God told them. They said, he'll give it to us. This land that flows with milk and honey. See, they're, they're continually giving the good report. Good report. Healing is good. Healing is good. God made the body. It's easy for him to change the body. Fix the body. God's a provider. He made Abraham rich. He made Isaac rich. He made Joseph rich. He made David rich. Solomon beyond rich. Is that right? That's right. He will pay your bills. He'll take care of you. He'll get you out of debt. Bring you in the best shape you've ever been in your life. Turn you from being the one on the bottom in need to the one he uses to help other people who are in need. But that's because you believed the gospel, the good report, and to you the arm of the Lord is revealed. Can you say amen? amen. Now, now here's a sad picture. The arm of the Lord. Now, now friend, this is power beyond what we understand. Because Jesus said, when they accused him of casting out devils by the prince of devils, Beelzebub, he said, no, he said, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdoms come to you. Finger power is all that was manifested to deliver everybody from demonic oppression that was in Jesus' ministry. The devil is not some dark equal opposite of God. He is a fallen, created being, a stripped, brought to naught. And when Jesus said, shut up and come out of him, the Holy Spirit went. And they were delivered. The Bible talks about the hand of God. That's more power manifested. 
But when it talks about the arm of God, arm of God, the arm of God was manifested when Jesus was raised from the dead. Why did it take the arm of God? Because when he was raised, all of us were raised at the same time by the power. God, God pushed up his sleeve on that one. Oh, glory to God. And uh, we see a picture here. Who has believed our report? Isaiah said. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord. There was the pillar of fire. That was still shining and burning. Or the cloud in the daytime. And God had finally got his people. Right to the border. Next thing is into the promised land. And the arm of God was over that whole bunch, ready to manifest. He had already shown some things in Egypt now, hadn't he? Hadn't he? Oh my, manifestation is such power. This This should have been fresh in all their minds. And the arm of God is still there, ready. Could he have gotten past all those giants and all those walls? We saw it in the next generation. But what kept them out? They refused to believe the good report. And they came up, let the enemy influence them and fabricated an evil report. And slandered the land. And despised God's personal gift to them. And cried and yielded to depression until they were filled with rebellion. Now, now, I've already talked about this, but have you ever seen anybody? We won't call names too close, but have you ever seen anybody that yielded to depression, cried, and and you tried to talk to them, and at first they're just bubbling and and upset, and then all at once they look at you and go, "No, I'm sorry, but I can't take it." That's not just being depressed. That's being devilish. You are getting a glimpse of the nature of the evil one. That's why I said, if folks realize what they're yielding to, oh dear me, they'd repent. The enemy's so subtle, though. He, 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 want, he tries so hard to get you to yield to stuff and you don't realize it's him. In fact, one of his main ways he, he does things he transforms himself into an angel of light. And he tries to convince you that this depressing stuff is coming from God. So, And if you don't know it's him, you're not going to resist him. So it's not going to stop. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. They said, verse 9, only do what? Don't rebel. Against the Lord. Don't rebel against him. You can call it unbelief. Or you can call it rebellion. Same thing. Disobedience. Or unbelief or rebellion. He said don't rebel against the Lord. Because that's what they're doing. Don't fear the people of the land. They're bred for us. Now, Now here's something that people don't always associate. Fear and rebellion. Oftentimes are full of fear because they're yielding to rebellion. 
And while I'm here, I might as well deal with this too. Go to the book of Psalms, please. Help me to say this right, Lord. Yeah, I'll say we. (laughs) You might know what I'm talking about. We. Psalm 68 and 5. Psalm 68, 5. God is a father of the fatherless. Can anybody testify? Whether you had a good daddy or not, you got one now. Is that right? He's a judge of the widows. Don't ever say, oh, you know, my husband's gone. I'm all alone now. You are not all alone now. I live alone. Are you saved? (laughs) Then you don't live alone. Is God in his holy habitation? Verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. Now, if you are physically alone and you don't want to be, this is a verse for you. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those that are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this, God gives homes to those who are alone. (laughs) And he leads prisoners out into prosperity. How many believe this or not? You believe it? But rebels must live, they have to live in a parched wasteland. Many are still lonely because of their rebellion. I know it's sobering. But if you won't submit to any people in your life, that's evidence that you do not submit to God. Because love, submission, obedience, respect, All these things for God are shown in what you do with people. Didn't the Bible say if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. My love for God is shown in my love for his people. If you are stubborn enough and obstinate enough, you will find yourself alone. Lonely. And you can be adamant about how right you were and how you couldn't tolerate this and you couldn't tolerate that, but you are still living in a parched wasteland. Rebellion is of the devil. Jesus said, Come, learn of me. I'm what? Meek. Lowly of heart. The love of God suffers long and is patient and kind. It doesn't say, I can't take this. I don't have to put up with this. Let me tell you where to get off. Well, yeah, you can have your say and be alone. There's a lot of times you need to just hush and not have an opinion. 
Oh boy, this is popular. Isn't it? <laughs> and you need to respect your elders. And if you don't know who they are, that tells you a lot right there. <laughs> you can't ignore The Bible said know them that are over you in the Lord. Can you name some people right now? Well, if say, they're human. They could make mistakes. But you're supposed to show respect. And even if you don't like some things, there's sometimes you need to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We'll take care of that. Y'all with me or not? Is there an upside? Yeah. Being in a family. Instead of being all by yourself. Living in a well-watered, prosperous situation. Instead of being in a bleak, parched place. Is that literally what happened to these guys? Numbers 13 and 14. Did God have well-watered gardens and families And a good life ready for them. And where did they live? In a parched, bleak place. Because of rebellion. They weren't going to do it. Nobody could make them. They weren't going to do it. They don't have to listen to Moses. They don't have to listen to Aaron. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard, lonely, dry life. All of us need to repent from time to time. Come on, anybody hear that or not? All of us need to be corrected. If you never need to be corrected, it means you have arrived at Christ-like perfection. You need to be corrected from time to time. You need to repent from time to time. Is that right? You need to yield. You need to. Now I know this is one of the most unpopular words you'll hear in society, but it's a Bible word. You need to. Did you know the word submit? You need to submit. Is submission easy? It ain't easy. It wasn't easy for the Lord. So I'm gonna say what? Yeah. You know what submission is? Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. All things are possible with you. But what? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Submitting your will to another will, that's submission. It's not easy. Oh, but it's how Jesus obeyed God all the way to the cross. And it's how we bear our cross and follow him, you'll have to submit time after time all along here and there. And you can get defiant and you can get rebellious and you can tell them where to get off and you can quit and you can leave and you can go through 12 jobs and 18 churches and 10 marriages. And it'll never get fixed. And you'll wind up old and lonely and dry spiritually. Somebody say, by the grace of God, not me. By the grace of God, not me. Not me. <laughs> Wandering around out in the desert instead of in your hammock. <laughs> Eating some of them grapes. Come on, are y'all with me? 
eating some of them grapes with all your kids and your grandkids and your friends and your family living large, living big, living blessed. Come on, are y'all with me? Is that worth submitting once in a while? Is that worth biting your lip and going, yes, sir? Is it? Stand on your feet, please. Praise be to God. Somebody say glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. Remember what what Thanksgiving does for you? Let's just practice it some right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. 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 Oh, thank you, Father, for your goodness, your mercy, your love. Oh, praise God. Just just thank him for a couple of moments. Don't get in too big of a rush. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.